back to the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Orange 247, and each week I sit down with a friend or colleague from the industry to talk about football, recruiting, or anything else going on in the world. This week's guest is Lancaster High School head coach Chris Gilbert. Coach Gilbert is a pillar of the Dallas high school scene. He is also a leader in the black community, helping young black coaches advance in their careers. And he talks with us about his program, his core values as a coach, and how he believes high school coaches can help span the racial gap in today's troubled world. So please enjoy this conversation with Lancaster High School's head head coach, Chris Gilbert. And now joining me on this week's edition of Open Mic, it is one of the best high school coaches in the state of Texas, the god of the grill, the sultan of the smoker. (laughs) It's the great Chris Gilbert, Lancaster High School coach. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Good morning, Roach. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Just uh, happy, happy to be here with you. Thank you for the invite. Oh, yeah. We're so happy to have you on. I told um, I had DJ Mann on probably three or four weeks ago, and I said, I think I want to get Gilbert on. And he goes, oh, yeah, Chris will give you some great stories. So uh, we're really excited to have you on, man. One of my favorite coaches and uh, programs out there. So you guys have always been so kind to us in the media. Um, You know, we appreciate everything. So really, I just want to start this with, um, you know, why did why did you get into coaching? Is it something you wanted to do your whole life? And um, how do you view like your role as a coach uh, in the community? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, it's, um, it's great time to talk about that. Um, you know, so many reasons. Number one, um, first thing that comes to mind is, you know, my upbringing and how I grew up. Um, I was, um, uh, I grew up in Oak Cliff. And uh, I grew up grew up around three or four blocks around the corner from South Oak Cliff High School, so close that in the summertime, uh, when the band started practicing, I could hear the band from my house. And uh, so I always wanted to be a part of the program. And growing up, you know, I grew up with my grandparents, and my and my grandfather passed away uh, when I was, you know, in junior high school. So I was basically raised by my grandmother. So when I got to high school and even before that, you know, I was playing, you know, rec league stuff and, and, and all those kinds of things. The coaches really took up time with me. And um, being, you know, a, a sports lover, I, you know, uh, an avid sports fan and athlete at that time, sports was a, definitely a venue for me to uh, build some camaraderie with buddies. And so uh, once I got older, those coaches – had so much influence on me and, and steered me in the right direction and gave me advice and, and they were hard on me and, and, and they and they taught me right from wrong and and so I, I just felt like it was just a, a position of pride. You know, in, in my community growing up it wasn't a bunch of doctors and lawyers and, and all those uh cliche, you know, careers. Um the teachers and coaches were were my doctors and lawyers in my neighborhood. And, uh, and and so that meant a lot to me. And I, I started asking at an early age, hey, man, how do you become a coach? You know, I started asking in high school, you know, and uh, they talked to, told me about it. And, um, you know, I was dead set on, on possibly being a coach whenever I got through playing ball. Um, it did, I did I, I hit a little uh, bump in the road, you know, down the way. I kind of thought I was going to change careers. But, you know, coaching was where my heart was. And, uh you know, sad to say, my my high school coach at South Oak Cliff, where I played, he you know, uh, he passed away yesterday. Uh, his name was Edmund Peters, and he was a great father figure for me and a great influence. I also take the time to say rest in rest in peace, Coach Pete. Uh, 
And, um, you know, it is, uh, he was very, very influential in my upbringing. So I definitely wanted to be like those guys and be an influence on kids. Well, you've done a, a fantastic job at it. Your program, Lancaster, is, is a strong program in the DFW area. Obviously, you guys want success on the field, but I think one of the greater things is the some of the success you guys get off the field and, um, you know, just being able to hang around the program, seeing the discipline of it, kids acting right. You know, I think that for the most part, you know, you guys do – everything you can to keep those kids in line. And um, that's, that's very important, especially in, in today's age. Just talk about your kids and, and what kind of program Lancaster has and the guys over there. Mike, we, um, we have uh, some outstanding kids, some outstanding players that come from outstanding homes. Um, we have some very uh, kids that come from some nurturing situations. And we have some kids that, that may not have a whole lot of support. And so um, our kids, uh, just like many other places, there is a variety of personalities, there's a variety of, of uh, mindsets, and, and which one makes a locker room a uh, very uh, cultural phenomenon that it is. Um, our guys are, are all very, very driven in uh, beyond high school. Um, it's very important for them to – lay out their plans, and, and, and it's not just something that we do in football, but our whole district as a whole in Lancaster, and I've worked in four or five districts, uh, and I would truly say that the Lancaster ISD is, is absolutely the best place I've ever seen that thinks about beyond high school and, and providing education with more than a diploma. Uh, the things that we have in place there or at our college center, and, and we have people that are hired there just to talk about uh, continuing education beyond high school, and uh, we have devoted resources for our kids there. Uh, so our team is a microcosm of our district, and I, I think that I, I'm just so proud to you know play a small part in helping them advance uh, beyond uh, high school. Now, while they're there, man, we have a good time, man. Our 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 place, man, is is bananas, man. We have a great time. There's there's always something big time that we feel is going on. And we're always looking forward to the next thing uh, while embracing the things that have happened. So uh, our kids definitely enjoy playing in our program, and uh, we're proud to provide them a platform uh, to keep going. You've already kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask, do you, do you say Lancaster or Lancaster? Uh, you say it the way <laughs> I say it because we're both from this area. And I tell people, if you say Lancaster, we know you're not from Dallas. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so I, I went in on my interview, man, and I'm from here, and, and it was always pronounced Lancaster. You know, it was always pronounced in that way with the, with the, uh, the strong uh, consonants early. Yeah. So when I went on my interview, man, we had some uh, some people on the interview that were that had been in been in the community for a while, and 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 then they were asking me a question. I said, "Well, you know, in, in Lancaster, we, and they said, wait a minute, hold up, you know, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna let you continue this and say Lancaster. Lancaster's in California. <laughs> <laughs> this is in this is Lancaster, Texas, and so I've never messed that up again, and I correct people all the time. But yeah, L Town's Lancaster." Yeah, that's right. I tell people, I know you're not from here if you call it Lancaster. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk also about another thing you're involved in. It's called TABSI. It's the, mm -hmm. you can break down the, the acronym for me so I make sure I get it right. But basically, it's a movement um, of, of black coaches in the state of Texas to help other young black coaches on the come up, from what I understand. Kind of un, uh, yeah. advance their way through the ranks. Absolutely. Um, with the Absolutely. 
Yeah, so uh, what we've done, TABSE is the Texas Alliance of State Black, Ed State Black Educators. And so what we, what we were charged with uh, um, was to uh, develop a pipeline of, of, of the next coaches up, uh, the next black coaches up, African-American coaches uh, uh, that are in line and aspiring to be head coaches and athletic directors. Now, uh, this has been going on now about six years. And, uh, and so our, my involvement has been to help organize uh, and, and along with Coach Lynn and what we call the Godfather, Anthony Chris. Uh, and now we've also had some uh, recent help from our other local coaches, uh, Kendall Miller, Kendall, uh, Kendrick Brown. And so all of these guys have been very active in trying to groom up the next set of coaches. And what we, what we do is we, we uh, have a plan starting from, you know, how to become how to move up in the ranks on your staff, uh, how to become a coordinator on your staff, uh, how to develop a resume to um, be noticed uh, um, for a, a job opportunity, uh, how to uh, network to give some opportunities to become a head coach. And so some of these things that some of our black coaches were not uh, equipped with and, uh, and some of the programs they were coming up in. So we made a very conscious decision and very intentional decision to make sure that we went out there to help them and uh, equip these guys with the tools if they so chose to uh, want to advance in the profession. So it was very important for us to be a part of that. And, and, and you, know, you know, thanks to my school district that has allowed me to continue to do this because um, this is something that, that's just been kind of uh, calling for me uh, to help our coaches along with the, the gentlemen that, that I organize with because it's just not me. We have a group of guys that, that we really do a lot of work with this on. Yeah, I, um, you know, talking to, we've seen the spread of, of more black coaches throughout the state, more black head coaches, uh, especially I talked to Joseph Sam at, at Fort Bend Hightower uh, during a clinic earlier this year who said that the Tabsy was a huge help to him as young in his career moving up the ranks. So uh, that's a great cause. I don't think it gets enough press um, in the state of Texas. Uh, you, you know, you're also very involved in the Texas High School Coaches Association. Um, what does it mean? I mean, I know you grew up in Dallas. You played in Texas. You've only coached in Texas, from what I know, unless I'm wrong there. Um, it, there's a difference, I think, in being a Texas high school football coach than being anywhere else, and the THSCA is part of that difference. What does it mean to you to be part of that group and a coach in this state? Well, you know, being a part of um, – being a director, board – Board of Directors of uh, Coaches Association in this great state was it was a high honor, um, and uh, and not only to be able to do that because uh, a lot of coaches, you know, never have the opportunity to help serve, but but to be an African American coach and to be voted onto the board uh, when so few of us have been afforded uh, that opportunity has been uh, a great a great position of influence that I can pass upon others. Uh, more so than just, you know, an honor for myself, it just kind of lets me know that, that I have an opportunity to affect others. And, uh, and, and just with this, the, the day and age and, and the climate of the current, uh, our current in our country right now, um, is, is needed more than ever. And, and so to me, even before these events happened, um, my mom said, you just asked me about Tabsy. And to me, Tabsy and, and the High School Coaches Association, I honestly, really have the same mission. Uh, it was just to empower the coaches. And, and I must, you know, say our, our executive director, uh, Joe Martin, uh, Glenn West, 
uh, down there that's running this thing in San Marcos, they have been very intentional to hearing what we have to say about uh, adding uh, and, and equipping uh, coaches from uh, urban areas, uh, the minority coaches. And they know that it's important to me and the other black coaches that are on the board to make sure that um, uh, we are uh, reaching out to our coaches. There, there, are, there are some things in place that uh, Coach Martin and Coach West have put in place with the Texas High School Coaches Association to help uh, grow coaches of color, to help grow coaches that coach minority students. And so to me, uh, I'm appreciative of them reaching out to, to start that conversation, you know, because um, we're in these, in these leadership roles. And one thing I want to make clear, and I really want to make this clear, uh, Mike. Um, Tabsy, Coaches Association, you know, these are, are elements of service, man. Uh, I think a lot of people see these as elements of, uh, of stature, but that's not the case. Uh, what, what this is, is your opportunity to, to give back and to serve. And, uh, and I think that, you know, when we make sure that we handle it as such, then I think that's when it'll really take off and, and, and these organizations will do what they are, what they are set out to do, you know, to help coaches, help kids. It didn't say we're going to just help these kind of kids or help these kind of kids or help these kind of coaches. It says it's going to help all coaches help kids, you know, no matter race, color, gender, creed. And I think that's where we're moving toward. I think there's been a very, a very heavy uh, movement toward that in, in, in our association. So both of those associations that I'm, that I'm proudly serving, you know, I'm so proud to be a part of both of them in their own unique way. And I, and I hope that, uh, that others, you know, understand this, you know, for a fact that, you know, these are things that, you know, once you reach a certain part in your career that you got to, you, you get a chance to make a decision. You can say, okay, I can be concerned with only myself and my players and keep trying to win games and, and, and make sure that I, I stay uh, employed or you can say, well, I've reached a point in my career where I can have an impact on others. And I learned years ago that I, I was moving toward having a platform that I can have an impact on others. And so I've been very intentional um, in my efforts. Uh, it was something that I didn't have to do, you know, because I had reached a part in my career where, I, you know, I was going to be successful. And I, if I continue to do the things I was going to do, I would be able to take care of my program. But I made an intentional conscious effort to try to reach down and along with my colleagues, my good buddies, you know, to come in and let's go, let's go take some other people with us. You know, uh, you know, you gotta, uh, as you climb, you gotta pull others with you. And then that's been my whole intention. I think, um, you know, you, you talk about the current climate in this world and obviously it's a lot of bad, a lot of bad going on. And um, you coaching in a predominantly black neighborhood with a predominantly black team. Um, you know, I, I have a unique perspective, I think, outside of my family, because I work with these young men day in and day out. And I told my wife, I said, these kids that I talk to all the time who, who make it possible for me to earn this living, to, to live in our house and everything, they're the ones who are at risk. It's not me. Um, that's the view I have. That's why I'm passionate about it in my way. I, I don't know that you and I are going to fix racism on this Zoom call, but, um, you know, what's on your mind these days? What, um, what are you telling your players right now? Well, um, I'm telling them what I've always told them, and now even more. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me to do is to make sure that the players know that I'm there for them. Because the stuff that they're seeing when you're 16 or 17 
it's typically one of two ways that you digest it, Mike. One is, well, that's not affecting me. I don't, you know, I'm going to stay out of that. And then eventually it'll hit close to home. Or two, they're very much so involved and they're very high strong about the situation that they go looking for. And if if you've been around our kids enough, very few that kind of exist in the middle ground is on one side or the other. And so my message to them was to make sure that you're just making great decisions. If you got to think about it twice, then you know what your decision should be. And so we had a Zoom. We've had two Zooms with the guys in the last three days. And that, that topic has been touched a few times. And um, the thing that that's happened to me the last few days, just talking to my players, is that, Mike, I've received about four or five calls from some of my white friends that are coaching black kids. And the, the conversation has been fascinating. And some guys were on the college level, some guys on the high school level. And they asked for some advice about how to handle their next team meeting or their next Zoom with their guys. And my advice for them was really just the same what I told my kids. Hey, let them know you're there. Talk to them about decision-making. But the absolute worst thing that my, my white friends, my white colleagues can do that are coaching black kids is to not to continue to hold them accountable at a time that is very sensitive. Because if you don't hold them accountable right now, as we can see, the world, at some points in time, the world is holding some of us double accountable. So I want them to make sure that they build that relationship beyond ball. Because if you don't build a relationship beyond ball, those kids can tell that very easily. I was um, talking to Cartrell the other day. He's at Boise, CT played for me. And he said one reason that he committed to Boise State was that Coach Harson? every time he answered the call, Coach Harson asked about his family, asked about how he was doing, asked about his grades. He said it sounded different than, have you been working out? What you weighing now? Are you getting any faster? He said it genuinely sounded like he cared about how he was as a guy. And I think that stays, you know, in that little time, it says a lot about the mindset of an athlete. And uh, and so my advice to everybody that's asked me that, like, you know, it's not like that, that I have all the answers, but I'm in this stage of listening and trying to learn myself, too. I think about some things that I wish I would have done differently as a blackhead coach now that this stuff is happening. But I can tell you this relationships are by far what matters the most by far. It's not even close. And if the relationships are there, then the trust will be there no matter what the skin color is. It's all about the relationships. Uh, because these times right now, uh, we got a long road to hold ahead of us. I think it's it's always different in a football locker room. And I tell my wife, I got my perspective on race from being in a football locker room with my teammates, the guys that I didn't, you know, I just saw them as the guy in the locker next to me, you know, no matter what their background was. And I think as leaders in the community, as coaches are, that's where you know, you're going to see some of your first steps. Do you anticipate this being a subject maybe within the high school coaches association or, or more talk between coaches about how, um, you know, the, the football community can kind of lead the way on some of this? I, I think it has to be. I think, I think that coaches have more, 
you know, and, and, and I'm not taking anything from the workplace and corporate America and desk jobs because, you know, I hear terms like sensitivity training and all of that stuff that goes on along with corporate America. And I think that our sensitivity training, you know, whether we've been intentional with it or not, it kind of develops by culture in the football locker room. And we understand that, that this young man has these kind of likes that are different from this young man that has these kind of likes. It's a cultural phenomenon that clashes or I don't think clash is the right word. I think uh, cooks together is the right word in the locker room. And you learn to appreciate differences when you're on a team. Because what happens on a team is that you have a, a set of guys from different cultures and different backgrounds that are moving toward a common goal. And really that's what should be happening in every, in every walk of life in America. We're all moving toward a common goal. We have differences in our culture and, 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 and some of them are, are pretty vast differences. But in the end, I still think that what's happened to us is that we've let political things that are beyond human things determine our way of thinking. And uh, all the political things, whether you're a conservative, a liberal, a Democrat, or a Republican, has nothing to do with good and bad. And sometimes I, I, I just I, I look at some of the people that that I've coached with, and and and, uh, and some of the kids that I've coached in other places. And I know they're conservative or they're, I know they're liberal, but it doesn't make me think differently of how they are because they've had a kid. I'm going to celebrate them and when they got married. I'm going to celebrate them uh, when they have a birthday. And in and, and our country, has became a point of if the lines are so drawn. And, and to me, for the first time in history, you know, this has to be the strongest partisan situation in the decisions of the world that, I, that I've ever seen in our country. Everything is partisan, you know, um, instead of what the actual view or or, or ideals are, have whether the guy is red or blue. And to me, that's where that's that's bled into all of our country's decisions. And and, and, and to me, uh, where do you where do you start? Where you just got to start about you seem like that's why you kind of end up pointing back to what's just right and wrong. And it starts in the home. It starts in the home. Man, that was that was my thoughts as well. Thank you for that, Coach. Um, I do want to to move on to a couple different subjects before we get out of here. I don't want to monopolize your whole day because I know you're a busy man. Um, yeah. I'm I'm looking at your bookshelf right behind you on your Zoom. There, I see yeah. some books. I see "Swing Your Sword" by Mike Leach. Uh, I don't see "The Art of War," but I know it's somewhere up there. <laughs> yeah, man. There we go. Okay, so you have quoted Sun Tzu more to me than anybody else. Talk to me about what that means to you. What what that book means? To me. Well, I um, you know, as a leader, you you look for um, you look for intellectual fuel, shall I say? And um, a lot of the times, in order to move the masses, you look to the people that have done it the best over the course of history. And, you know, I was a, uh, uh, a history minor in college. And so I, I always was fascinated with battles and leaders of battles and leaders of men. And, 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 and one thing that I've always heard is that people, people support people more than they do the cause. And I had to learn some things. And I, so I, I became an avid reader 
when I got into coaching. And, and that, that is one of my all-time favorite books because it delivers simplistic things that are powerful that are sometimes overlooked. And I know I've, I've quoted, you know, <laughs> the art of war to you more than once. And, uh, and I also follow it on Twitter, you know, and, and so it, it gives a daily quote from the art of war and, uh, about leading men and, and, uh, uh, all the things that, that, that leadership entails. And, and so I'm so fascinated, I'm fascinated with leadership. I'm fascinated with transformation and I'm fascinated, I'm fascinated with cultural things. And to me, uh, it, it's, it's kind of developed uh, my mentality as a football coach and as a leader because we're not just leading kids. We, we're leading grown-ups as a head coach. We're leading other assistant coaches. We're having conversation with parents, and everybody's not going to share your views. But you have to be equipped mentally to handle situations when everybody's not on your side. And that's the thing to me that's very important about leadership. Everybody's not going to agree with everything. Uh, but you have to equip yourself where you still can function and lead the right way. And I think some of these uh, old readings, these leaders and, you know, uh, military leaders and social leaders, and, and I think they, you know, they had to figure it figured out for a reason. So when you go and study them, things they said to, to make sure that you can carry on. Um, we, uh, I talked, called you the Sultan of the Smoker earlier. I've seen on, uh, on Twitter throughout the quarantine, you've been working on your skills on the, on the smoker. Man. Yeah, man. Have you achieved that bark yet? That bark's pretty good, man. <laughs> bark's pretty good. You know, I, I still got a ways to go, man. That's, that's like the ultimate trophy when you can, when you can bark your brisket and it's still tender on the inside. And, you know, if you if you if your flat has some, some, you know, some give to it because you know your your point size is gonna always have the most moisture to it. But the bark is when you're a Texas man and you're a Texas smoker, the bark is the trophy of all briskets, baby. That's what you that's what you're trying to achieve. You get to like travel. They, well, you get to travel around the state, and I know everywhere you go, every clinic, every coach's <laughs> whatever, you're trying to find a local <laughs> barbecue spot. Our people on this the listen to this podcast, they love food and they love food <laughs> recommendations. So, give us a couple of your favorite barbecue spots you've been to. Oh man, man, man! You, you, hey! Well, I can tell you this: I've, I've had some of the best, and I have some I still would like to try. But the best that I've had locally, in my opinion, you know, is Cattle Act Barbecue, and I, I think that they have an excellent bark. And, and you know, two things that I like when I go to the joint now: right? I want to try how good your brisket is, and I want to see what type of homemade sausage that you have that's different from the norm those are the two things and uh i think everybody else can handle chicken and even ribs so to speak but the brisket and the homemade sausage are there and so cadillac obviously um pecan lodge you know of course pecan lodge is on the list here locally um in houston kellens in houston i think you know is is, is awesome uh has some great flavor you know, you can't forget the old school joints in Lockhart, uh, Blacks, and uh, and uh, Kreitz Market. Uh, I've always wanted to try Evie Mays in Lubbock. I hadn't I hadn't ventured out there to try that yet. Uh, I would like to also have uh, what is it? Snows in Lexington. Mm -hmm. That's on my that's on my bucket list. Uh, so, but I have had Franklin's. I think Franklin is uh, is, is is just as good as the hype, the line, and all of the you know, the, the folklore behind Franklin, it is really good. It is really good. 
uh, I, I would say Franklin's and, and Cadillac is, is, is a battle for one and two, you know, so that's pretty good. I'm going to recommend to you a friend of this show, Grant Pinkerton's in uh, Houston, Pinkerton's Barbecue. Um, that's mm-hmm. That needs to be on the list next time you go through Houston. You know, I've been seeing him on social media, man, and uh, I've been wanting to, you know, give him a try, but I've been hearing it's really good. So, yeah. you know, I'm not turning it down, brother. And, you know, I'm going to go down <laughs> next time and I make sure I get go give a roll through him, man. I heard he's really good. That's my favorite joint in the state. So that's that gets that gets my endorsement. What uh, you like there, Mike? What do you it, like there? The brisket is fantastic. It melts in your mouth. Uh, the candy painted ribs are a Houston staple. Um, he the does. Ribs, yes, sir. He does. Like his, the sausage is really good. So you like the sausage. He does a Carolina style pulled pork. Um, and then uh, sides aren't really my thing, but man, Grant's got some of the best sides. He's got like a duck sausage jambalaya he makes he's got like a half chili macaroni and cheese a, a, a jalapeno cheese and rice uh casserole thing he's uh he's got it covered head to toe for sure you know i've heard he's good man i got i got i haven't had it yet i haven't had pinkertons yet but i'm it is definitely on the on the list to try and they're building it won't i don't think it's gonna be ready for coaching school but they're building a location in san antonio so probably next coaching school because i think the next three years are in san antonio right they uh, are yeah, so probably next coaching school, it'll be ready. Well, I will definitely be a patron. <laughs> when, when, when that brick and mortar is up, I just hope it is as good as the one in Houston. That's 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 the one. You know, they, they got yeah. those pits seasoned really yeah. well in, in H-Town, so you want you want to get by that original joint you know, so you can compare. You know, the, the pit seasoning, man, that's, that's – <laughs> we don't want no brand-new pits, man. We want some pits with some character on I understand. Coach, before we get out of here, one last thing. Um, we talked to everybody who about maybe some of the best players you've ever seen come through high school football, and you've coached a lot of them. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could talk just about the guys you've had at Lancaster, but maybe on the other side of the field that you've had the game plan kept you up at night. Who are some of those guys you've seen? Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> begun there. I know it didn't take me long to spit that out. And I just because I've been – I saw something on him the other day, man. I mean, that kid was probably one of the most explosive kids that, that we've ever had to guard. Uh, he, he was incredible. Um, uh, Trayvon Boykin, uh, when he was at West Mesquite, was unbelievable talent. And, you know, uh, he, you know, I was at Terrell in that time. And, you know, we played them in Mesquite Memorial. And if you go down there right now, he's, he's running right now. We haven't tackled him yet. And um, he was a, an outstanding football player. Um, the guys, you know, that we played against here recently, um, and uh, we got to see uh, Graham Harrell at Ennis. Uh, uh, we we saw uh, a, a lot of good players uh, out of the uh, Mansfield teams, you know, Jet Duffy, uh, some guys on that team um, in – uh, and we played Duncanville. Uh, JJ was, you know, of course, he was unbelievable, a stud at quarterback. Um, you know, when I was an assistant, I got to see Reggie McNeil play. Uh, he when, when I was at Dallas Carter and he was a quarterback at Lufkin. Uh, he was an unbelievable talent. And, and on our team, we've had so many really good players, you know, with uh, uh, Demarcus Ayers, uh, Deshaun Hall, uh, Nick Harvey. Uh, Cartrell Thomas, Omar Manning, uh, Trey Bradford, uh, Trevor Haddon. You know, the list goes on and on with the guys that we've had uh, in, in our program that, that, that have been studs. Latrell Capels, you know. So, 
Uh, but we've, I've been fortunate to, to, to coach against some great talent and uh, some guys that were unbelievable players uh, along the way. That list is, is still going to go. You guys still are churning out great players. Another great underclass coming. Uh, Texas has offered uh, Faison Wilson, your, your outstanding wide receiver. Before we get out, I know I said last question last time, but tell us what you can about Faison and um, kind of about the way, you know, you feel with this Texas staff and the way they recruited your school. Well, Texas, Texas has, um, has uh, always had uh, a presence in our building. Uh, over the years, you know, dating back to some of those other guys I talked about, um, Faison is a is a special talent. Um, I am so excited to see what he's going to be. You know, he and I were texting yesterday, and you know, just kind of shooting the breeze. And I always kind of, you know, tell him that, you know, his game reminds me of uh, of Des Bryant. You know, he, he's such a, a ball winner. He's so strong. And the things that I've seen him do at practice, you know, uh, last year when he caught the football, man, you want to talk about a, a wide receiver that is hard to tackle, man. And, 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 and when he gets to play and, and people really get to see who he can be, uh, it's going to be a, a treat for folks because he's, a, he's, he's a definitely a, a, a guy that can develop he can develop into a Sunday talent. And I always tell him, I say, hey, man, you got a long way to go. You know, you, you, you're you not there yet. And you know, he's accepting of that. And and being that he's accepting of that lets me know that what he's going to be, you know, he's going to be unbelievable. And uh, he's got a good quarterback that's going to be able to deliver it to him and other guys. And so it's going to be just exciting to see what he turns out to be, man. He's He's a special, special guy. Well, Coach, thank you so much for, for taking some time out to join us today. Uh, per, very much appreciative of your friendship and, and of you taking some time for this. Uh, thank you for, for everything you do for us in the media. Well, I mean, we, we talk amongst ourselves at Lancaster's, one of our favorite programs to cover because we're treated so well there. So uh, thank you for everything, man. Man, you're welcome, man. I, I, I've been meaning to get you back from when you mean me. Uh, you, you put a meme out <laughs> on me. Uh, I don't know. Was that the playoffs where you and yeah. I, I was fussing about a call with a ref, and then you 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 meme me and said this is what it looks like when when they said there's no more beef real. <laughs> yeah. You know. So so I took that as I took that as a good meme and a and a and a one fat joke. So I can tell you right now that. I'm after you. I'm. A, I'm. A, so you better watch out. I'm gonna get no, you. No, no, no. That's not a fat joke. That's a barbecue <laughs> joke. That's a barbecue joke. I'm a fat guy. I can't tell fat <laughs> jokes. <laughs> fat jokes and barbecue jokes are all the same. You just remember that, brother. They, all, they right. go hand in hand. I got you. Well, coach, maybe, hopefully, I'm looking forward to getting out there. Maybe after, sometime after June 8th, when you guys resume workouts, I can drop by and get some pictures of you guys and, and visit again. So, all right, man. Appreciate that, Mike. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. As a reminder, you can find the show on any major podcast platform, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. We would also like to ask that you go to any of those podcast platforms and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.